every authentic mythological system begins with a great sacrifice. It is a sacrifice made by God that is in fact God's own sacrifice that allows the creation of the universe. It is a sacrifice that allows the sustenance of the universe. And another sacrifice that allows the redemption of the fallen universe. This is the meaning of Christ's self-sacrifice on the cross, the sacrifice of Purusha, which is at the origin of the universe and the Vedic mythology, and all of the many sacrifices in the Mahabharata and the Ramayana, the Ashvamedha sacrifice, all the way up to the Agnihotra and the various pujas. All of religion is about sacrifice. It is sacrifice that enables the cosmos to be. But what is it that is to be sacrificed? It is not the degraded form of sacrifice, of animals or human sacrifice practiced by certain peoples. In ignorance of the true meaning of that term that is referred to in these mythologies. But they are gross reflections of the truth. Because in a way it is a human sacrifice that is required, and on another level, a divine sacrifice. But it is important to know what that entails and why. sacrifice that is required very simply that I am sure each of you already know at least know about is the sacrifice of the I thought nothing else just that it is the I thought that causes all of the suffering, the fallenness, the self-destructiveness that we see in the world. When the I-thought, which is the great shackle of consciousness, is cut open, the Gordian knot in another mythological system, when it is cut, Consciousness is liberated. 
Consciousness cannot know itself or its powers until it has cut its identification with the I thought. It's that simple and that difficult. But that is all that this is about. You don't need complex religious systems. All of them will mislead you. It is simply about annihilating the I-thought and all belief that the I-thought has any reality. Now, why is that so important? And what lies beyond the I-thought? The reason it's important is it is the I-thought that splits the mind. It causes a degradation of the mind from whole mind into split mind or satarivu, as is the word that Ramana uses, which is why we have that sign by split mind rock called satarivu rock. <coughs> if you walk a little ways on the path of the ashram, you'll see it. Because the I-thought splits consciousness into world, the ego-self, and God. If the ego even retains the belief in God. In the postmodern, scientistic, atheistic, materialistic model, there isn't even a God. There's just a random chance world that might or might not have existed and egos that inhabit it. Because consciousness can see nothing else when it is under the trance of the I-thought. Because the I-thought, once it is conjured up from the emptiness, identifies with matter. And the I-thought becomes linked with the physical body, with what gets taken, mistaken, for a physical body. It is not actually so much a physical body or a physical world, but a world of surfaces. And this is the key point, because the I-thought eliminates depth. The I-thought converts the world into only a labyrinth of surfaces. There is no depth. Even though we have a concept of volume, but if you open anything up, all you'll find again are just surfaces. You do a dissection of a human body, you'll just find surfaces of different organs, surfaces of blood vessels. But it's all just literally superficial. Where is the within? Where is the essence? The world cannot consist only of surfaces. What is behind the surface?
This problem was approached very deeply by a physicist named David Bohm, who created a theory of the implicate order of the universe. The implicate order is the universe's capacity for withinness. Withinness or the depth dimension of the universe is what consciousness is. But when consciousness is identified with the surface, the body, and the I thought, which is the surface of thought itself as language, it cannot go within. It cannot even understand the language that is spoken in its own mind. It cannot understand where the intelligence that created language came from. It cannot understand its own being. It is clueless. And this is why consciousness that is under the illusion of the I-thought is ignorance itself. It is forgetfulness of being. And all yoga is simply about annihilating the I-thought so that consciousness can return within. So ask yourself, where are you right now? Where are you? Are you within the body? If so, where? Do you believe the myth that you are in the folds of the brain somewhere? Are you within the pineal gland? Are you within the cerebrum? Are you within the physical heart? Where are you? Are you in space? Are you in time? Or are you in a deeper dimension that is eternal? Find yourself. Locate your center. You cannot find the center until you have silenced the ego mind that keeps forcing you to bob up to the surface like one of those life preservers that children can, are forced to wear so they don't sink. Well, your ego thought is like that. It's a child's life preserver that forces you to think so you don't sink, but you cannot sink into the depth of your being as long as you keep thinking.
when there is a full entry into the withinness of silence, you will find the inner light, the inner light. forms itself into two golden pillars of light, which are the pillars of Hyperborea. There is a myth of Hyperborea that comes from ancient Greece, of a land beyond the north wind. Wind is mind. So beyond the moving of the mind, the north wind is the mind that moves from God. But beyond that movement is the silent, immutable space, the Paradesh, in which Shiva dwells. Enter through the portal of light. into the withinness in which the Supreme Self abides. And in that withinness it will be realized that there is no world. All you think of as the world is itself the movement of consciousness. And consciousness is one whole. It is not split into separate beings. And it has no surface. It has no inside. It has no outside. But all that is real here. Nothing else has any value. Everything else is but a fleeting, momentary experience of loss, of a mirage, an illusion that was never there. And the human ego foolishly chases these illusions that bring nothing but suffering. Instead of finding the treasure <coughs> that lies waiting within, but deep within, in the withinness that is untouched by movement, of thought or of sensory experience in that depth of your being in which there is no world in which the I thought has been sacrificed and worldhood itself which is the objective correlative of the I thought is also dissolved nor is there any God as an other but only the whole that is the self.
Salvation is within. It is from this deep womb of the universe from which alone planetary rebirth can occur. The myth of the hollow earth, that somewhere you can find a portal to an inner surface of our planet and there lies another civilization waiting to emerge. Some say they are giants, some say they are gods, some say they are Nazis waiting to take over and establish the Fourth Reich. Yes, there are many such stories out there. But these are all degraded forms of the realization that what is hollow is consciousness. And it is entering into that inner earth of the emptiness, the void of consciousness, in which you will find the implicate order of the reality that can emerge and be reborn. when you have the courage to enter into this dimension in which there is nothing to hold on to. There is nothing on which you can hold to maintain a sense of security. There are no props, there are no weapons, there are no shields, there is no mother. You must be willing to let go of the neediness that wants to hold on to something, including a name and a form. including any illusion of identity. You can only enter into this land of light in total nakedness. Having completely divested the self, of all objectivity. Only the completely non-existent self is real. It is this requirement of absolute freedom from form that is indicated by the flaming swords of the cherubim that guard the gates of paradise, that prevent the return and the eating of the fruit of the tree of life, which allows you to become as God.
until you can fearlessly face those flaming swords because you have no body that can be cut by them. You will not be able to pass that ring of fire. So are you willing to give up all childish things? including the infantile ego that's always in a power struggle with others at the surface of the world and is never satisfied without claiming some illusory throne or hideout in which it thinks it cannot be touched by the other or in some other way donning some cloak of invisibility or some coat of armor. But none of that will work. None of the ego defense mechanisms can help you transcend the ego, but only lock you into it all the more. And so those with the strongest egos have the hardest time. Just like Jesus said, the richest have as likelihood a chance of getting to the kingdom of heaven as a camel through the eye of a needle. You can't bring your money there. You can't bring even words there. You certainly can't bring a body there, not even a body of light. Absolute emptiness is the key to heaven and to planetary rebirth. May you divest yourself of all that keeps you from knowing the bliss of emptiness because those who know that bliss shall know the fullness.